It should not have to come to this. We out here in the rain, y'all, trying to save our community. That's right. It's real. It has hit our home. It does not take a SWAT team to serve an arrest warrant. Hello. This is Elizabeth City. This is Sarah Sloan. Today, I am talking to Quentin Jackson. Quentin is an organizer local to Elizabeth City. Quentin, thank you for speaking with me. What does it mean to be an activist, an organizer from Elizabeth City during this moment? It means to me that you understand the reality of what's happening today. I mean, being an activist, we understand that Elizabeth City is Minnesota. We understand Elizabeth City is Florida. It is Georgia. Um, now, we are hashtagging in a small town of under 20,000 people the name of Andrew Brown, 15 hours after the verdict of Derek Chauvin. So to me, you know, to me, it means an awful lot. You told me earlier that you've done about 30 interviews. There's been local, state, and national coverage. What story do you wish the media was telling? Um, I think that, well, and I'm not going to say that the media is not telling, but I would like to see more on a national level that they see how peaceful that our protest really is and how we have the platform for our peaceful protest. We have community leaders on the ground to make sure every leader picks a corner and we rotate something like a basketball plan to make sure that if we see somebody trying to get rowdy, throw a rock, throw an egg, throw anything, that we even say, hey, that's not what we're going to have here, that we're going to call them out. Um, I think that, you know, the police chief in Elizabeth City, outstanding job of community policing when it go down to the way that he's handled everything. We understand that we could be arrested for blocking roads and blocking streets and all that, but he's given us time to express ourselves. And what we're asking for more than anything is justice. We've heard police have been acting as escorts for protesters and that they have done traffic control. We've heard that they haven't used riot gear. Is that still the case? Absolutely. And it's a, it's a tribute to um, Chief Buffalo. When you meet violence with violence, nothing good ever comes out when you meet mixed violence with violence. And when you come with pure intimidation of um, body armor and all those other things, I think the intimidation factor when you already have a lot of tense emotion built upon just basically police, I think that it, it would go very bad very quickly. And I, I, you know, I just can't give Chief Buffalo enough praises. I believe it's the because of the rapport that he has built in the community. Understand Chief Buffalo is head of the North Carolina Chief Association. He's their current president this year. So I think that um, all the rest of the chiefs that voted for him throughout the state understand his leadership. And he could be a model for what needs to be done. Now, we're in constant communication with Chief Buffalo to say, hey, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to keep everybody safe and we're going to show restraint. We, we have done that time and time again. What have you seen since Wednesday and what is happening now? So what I've seen is from Wednesday, 
a, a whole lot of speculation and gossip that wasn't actually uh, factual. And I seen that Attorney Crump, Mr. Daniels, Chantel, Chair Lassiter, Bacard Sellers, I seen that they began to put the pieces together against all odds. I seen that we're getting more clarity based upon what's going on. See, you got to understand, I knew Mr. Andrew Brown, so I already knew he was unarmed. The community knew he was unarmed because he wasn't a guy known to tote no weapons. And the police knew this. So when, when it comes out clear that now we understand not shot with your hands up, but shot with your hands on the steering wheel, you know, that's rule number uno is that you keep your hands on the steering wheel when a police officer comes. So he was vigilant enough to do that. We now know, based upon what the family has reported to us, that he was not trying to be violent or get the police. He was actually trying to comply. We know the vulgarities that the police was yelling at him while shooting a gun. That shows aggravating factors. And so we now can officially say that it went from speculation, from murder, to a full-blown execution. Family issued a statement along with Chantel Cherry Lasseter. And I want you guys to understand the full concept if you go back and look at the press release yesterday. Um, they yelled um, all type of profanity at him while his hands remained on the steering wheel the whole time. Understand that he, that he was shot. He was shot in the arm four times on the right side. And what nobody's talking about is you could, the school was right across the street from his house. You could throw a rock and hit the school. So for them to be shooting profanity, which cursing in public is illegal in North Carolina, while shooting a AR assault rifle, we definitely know that we won't stop until we get justice. And justice does not start with arrest. It just gets the ball rolling for it. Can you describe who the local people are in critical leadership positions in this moment and what action they are or aren't taking? So I want to say that um, I want to say that the Elizabeth City City Council has all the right ideas. And I would like to say it's partly a tribute to the young and progressive progressiveness of the city. I believe that the county commissioners have wholeheartedly dropped the ball. I believe that the local pastors have dropped the ball. You know, seeing here and running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, not reaching out to the people, not talking to the people. I think that's some of the biggest mistakes that has happened um, with the sheriff. I will go on record saying I do not believe that Sheriff Tommy Wooten is a racist. I've known the man for over 10 years. I know Sheriff Wooten's character, but I believe him not coming out, talking to the people that elected him is a poor choice as a sheriff. So um, Reverend Barber is also here. He's been trying to work very diligently with the family. Roland Martin is also here. It's a lot of big names that has come to Elizabeth City during this time. But we understand that none of these names, none of these people can bring Andrew Brown back. We understand that no matter how much money or settlement the family gets, none of this can bring Andrew Brown back. But what we can do is we can be proactive in making sure that nobody else or another Andrew Brown doesn't happen. A lot of times you see these shootings, they happen in municipalities. So I don't want people to get deterred and understand, yes, this was a sheriff-involved execution, but it happened within the local municipality 
when the sheriff came to execute a search warrant and arrest warrant and did not even let the police chief or the municipality know what was happening at 8.30. Why do you emphasize municipality there? So I emphasize it because the, the people vote for all of local elected leaders and they vote for, for us and I, my former, my, my colleagues, my fellow colleagues to control what's happening inside the city. So when things like this happen inside the city, they look for their local leaders that they see every day to be able to help them and to control the narrative. I see fellow council members that's actually hurting, hurting because they're going to city council meetings and they're passing these resolutions to release the videos and they don't have any answers for them. They have no answers for them. But how can you have no answers in the city in which you guys are the municipality of the city and the owners of the town that you guys are proposed to provide answers, serve and protect us just like the police? The city council has the same obligation as the police department, if not more, if not more. What is your class and race analysis of the town? So inside the city, the city is about 6% African-American and it's about um, 40% Caucasian or other race. Now, what I will say to you is Elizabeth City is home to the largest um, U.S. Coast Guard base in the country. We have the second largest prison in North Carolina. We're home of historic black college, Elizabeth City State University, Mac Atlantic, Mac U, um, also College of the Albemarle. So Elizabeth City is also rapidly growing at a fast rate. And they're the biggest city that is inside of our Northeastern Corridor. They're, they're the biggest one in the first judicial district. And that district makes up six counties. And it's the largest one. So when you talk about a lot of these uh, municipalities there, um, all are majority African-American, not just in Elizabeth City. We look at um, Perquimans, um being Hertford. We look at Windfall. We look at Edenton. We look at all these small towns because most of the population here, all of our towns of eastern North Carolina are under 20,000 people, which was Elizabeth City around 15. So we, we understand that a person that has never been to Elizabeth City or Eastern North Carolina, that's why we advocate so hard. When you have one um, general assemblyman that represents seven counties, that takes five hours to get from one side to the other. We, we, we understand that Roy Cooper makes decisions for everybody, but we don't have the same resources and availability as Raleigh, Durham, Charlotte, Winston-Salem, Greensboro, none of them. So we understand this. What is the history of this community and the police? I would like to say that I believe the people of Eastern North Carolina, African-American people, don't have a good rapport with the police departments as a whole. When you look, Elizabeth City has an African-American police chief, and so does uh, the city of Edenton. And I think that people understand the narrative that Chief Buffalo has only been in Elizabeth City nine years. Um, Edenton Police Chief, I believe the name is uh, Rottenberry. Something, he, he might kill me for screwing up his name. He's only been in the community about three years. And they are trying to change the narrative, but it's, it's something you have to rebuild brick by brick. And when you look at um, 300, 400 years, 
of oppression and slavery, we understand that you're not going to get the same, um, you're not going to get upfront transparency just by a faith or belief or anything just in faith. We have overcame so much, so much we have overcame, but we still have a long way to go when it comes down to race relations. And this issue, I want to say this, this is not a black and white issue. I don't want to make this issue of black and white. This is a right and wrong issue. We know um, one of the alleged men behind shooting Mr. Andrew Brown was multiracial, his mother being white and his father being black. That doesn't matter. He has a weapon. He decided to use it and kill Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown didn't get to tell his story and is not going home to his seven children. We understand that, yes, there's white-on-white crime. Why are African-Americans getting killed at a by police officers at a higher rate? Why are we dying at a higher rate with our hands up? Look at the census and statistical data. You've seen a white guy on YouTube and on TMZ dragging a police officer, living to tell a story. You see a, a, a Caucasian guy going to church, kill nine people, and go to Burger King. You see a guy in the movie theater, kill all those people, and still gets to tell the story. Why is it that African Americans are not living to tell the story? We're seeing so many white leaders in Elizabeth City calling upon their black colleagues to lead press conferences. Oh man, don't 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 get me started on that because that's what you're seeing in Elizabeth City and Pastor Tank County. Sheriff Tommy Wooten, he's elected. Deputy Chief Deputy Fogg is hired. You are elected to serve and speak for the people and it's antagonizing to see constantly he called his African-American chief deputy and they spearhead these back and back conversations to act like this is a black and white issue. And it's an insult to people. It's no other word to say it. It's a direct insult to people when they do that, especially the black people. And it hurts. It hurts. You are the sheriff. That means the majority of people and some African-Americans voted for you. Look at the numbers. So therefore, for you to every time this happens, oh, I need a black person to come out with me. You don't need anybody to come out with you because the people in the community actually know Sheriff Tommy Wooten. But this guy that's out there in character right now, nobody knows this guy. And that's the narrative he needs to change. And only he can change it. What area are you focusing your energy on right now? I'm focusing my energy on getting justice for Mr. Andrew Brown. We want to release the tape. The tape should have been released yesterday, day before yesterday, and going to court. And I, I don't want people to get, um, don't miss the information, okay? They're saying that it's state law. The state law says that if you are a person, and anybody can, you can see it at any time by the custodial. That's the sheriff. He could have released it to the family. But to call the family, to call the family on Sunday night and say, come to the sheriff's office at 1130. We're going to let you see it. We're going to let you see the, the body cam. And they have to sit outside two and a half hours after you call them because you want to redact officers' faces and the guns. That is just, that is not transparency, which everybody is saying they're going to have. It's not transparency at all. There is a curfew tonight 
do you think that it is needed? No. And, you know, that's another insult to injury. If people are peacefully protesting, not one property damage, why is it needed for a state of emergency? Black people have been in a state of emergency for 400 years. And to do this is another slap in the face that says, if you be peaceful, if you do the right thing while protesting, you know, your First Amendment rights taken off the table. So I do not agree with it. Um, and I'm not going to say that we're not going to honor it. What are the demands people have right now? We want to see the tape. Release the tape. Show your face. That's all we want to see. The family has came out, told us what's on the tape. We want to see the tape, not redacted, the whole tape. They came out and told the family they only let them see what was pertinent. How do one side choose what's pertinent evidence? It doesn't work that way. Everything is pertinent. Who else needs to be out there with you? Um, Everybody needs to be protesting, if you ask me. Every... Um, and, I, and I'll let you say this. This is not a black people march. There's just as many people of other races that's out there understanding and protesting with us. Anybody. Because at any day, just imagine, it could have been a, a stray bullet went through another house, hit a crop pot, and the bullet was lodged in that person's house. And what the homeowner said was, good thing his wife wasn't home because it went by the chair where she usually sits. Uh, injustice should bother everybody in America, not just black or white, anybody. So anybody should be out there protesting with us. Absolutely. Quentin, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you or anything else that you'd like to say? No, the only thing i like to say is, man, you know, uh, it takes everybody, not one person, not one race. It takes everybody to make this thing called America works. From the people who clean and sweep floors, from the people who pave our roads, from Congress to the president. It takes everybody to do their part in end this systemic racism of a system. We must continue to fight this so that there's no more Andrew Burns.